Well, good morning, Vineyard. Say good morning to your neighbor. It's so good to see you this morning and for all of our people online. We say good morning to our Facebook stream and you can catch us. Uh, we post into YouTube if you want to watch it later. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's with heavy hearts this morning we come and I just want to share. Um, if, you, if you didn't know or didn't hear, uh, Kathy Parati went to be with Jesus yesterday. Maybe a long worship service today. Whew. Keep David and his family in your prayers. Um, Kathy and David are staples in our pantry, our food resource, and uh, they've been a part of our community for a long, long time. I had the pleasure of marrying him, I think it's 15 or 16 years ago. And but, you know, it's, I, I just keep hearing my mom's words. She's always said, she'd say that we hurt much is because we chose to love much. And when um, somebody close in our community, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking back and I want to see her sitting back against the wall. That's where she sat. But you know what? We, we stand and, you know, I've, I've, if you, if you don't know the story, ask one of us. We'll tell you what the story of the last 10 days have been. And it's not a bad story. It's actually an amazing story for Kathy. But none of us expected uh, what happened yesterday. But she's with Jesus. She loved Jesus. She, uh, she fought the fight with Jesus. That's what I, I really admire about her. She... Uh, She came here very skeptical and she came here trying to do things by herself and little by little she gave away all of that control to Jesus until yesterday where she gave it all away. And Jesus said, come to me, all that you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. So we rejoice and we, we stand here as people who have hope not in what this world promises, but with what Jesus promises. Amen? Amen. Yeah, so if you want to talk about it, check in with one of us. We can, we can cry together. We can hug together. We can do whatever. But she will be missed. Dave will need all of our help. Um, just not over these next couple weeks, but just, you know walking through the world, right? So we're going to worship today, but we're going to worship with our music because I was thinking this morning, there's a song we sang, you give and you take away, blessed be your name. So God gives and God takes away. And sometimes it's really close to our hearts. But we still, we still 
we still thank Him. We still praise Him. Because He is a good, just, and faithful God. And as hard as it is in my heart to, to know that Kathy's not going to be with us, she made it across the finish line. She's where we want to be. So we grieve with those who know that we still are running the race. And she's probably looking back at us giving us raspberries right now. So it's all good. So, Father, we just thank you that in moments like these, we, uh, we have a lot of questions, but ultimately all the answers come back to you. When one of our, 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 our family hurts, we all hurt. And when, um, when we don't have the words, Jesus, you have the words. So we press into you this morning. And we just thank you for just being right there. Right there for us, for whatever we need. And I know there's people here that have, uh, and they've gone through great loss. And we know there's still, you know, time doesn't stop, which is a good thing, so that we don't kind of just pause ourselves in this moment of life. But we also really want to be to that place, Jesus, where we give it to you and we ask you to comfort our hearts and give us peace. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So it seems like a... Man, it's been a hot minute since I've had my guitar. I've played drums and... Uh, I just want to give Kaylee thanks and give the team, Paul Busby, uh, the women, Suzette and Jackie. And, you know, it's amazing. We, we try to steal some time away and it's nice to... Uh, be able to do that, but it's also nice to know that the people who have stepped up and said yes do an amazing job. So uh, it's good to be back. Um, I know you all probably miss Kaylee. Is Sam here? Sam? Yeah, Sam's here. So I'm like, well, sorry, Sam. I'm here for you. Kaylee's not singing, so you'll have to struggle through this worship part. So if you feel like standing, you can get to your feet. We're just going to praise his name.
strength and fortress, my hope and purpose, you Jesus, all I have is you. You're the hope I'm holding to. I'm not weak, but still my faith rests in you. As the heavens hold the sky, it's your
never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love, your love, your love, your love. Your love, your love, your love, your love. Amen. Amen. morning church still don't like being up here but that's beside the point um <laughs> Teresa asked me to um <laughs> pay no attention to the man behind the curtain <laughs> um so I think he's already said it all um, this morning regarding um, our loss. Um, but I, when my mom told me yesterday about Kathy Perotti's passing, um, I was holding my two-month-old niece, um, and the thought that came to mind was Second um, Corinthians, the verse that says, um, "We are confident, yes." Well pleased rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I just thought that, um, I just kind of quickly Googled this little commentary about it. When you know you are an eternal being and you recognize that the longing in you is a desire to be um, in your eternal dwelling, when you also have the inner confidence that comes from the Holy Spirit, then this verse makes even more sense. To be absent from the body and present with the Lord means that the moment your breath, you breathe your last breath on earth, you are instantly transferred directly into the presence of God. Not temporarily, but forever. There is an exchange that will take place where you will take off the burdens of this life and begin the realities of new life that is eternal and free from the groanings we now experience. Um, doesn't make it any easier for those of us that are still here. And I remember something my mom's mom used to always say, give me my flowers while I'm here. Tell me you love me while I'm here. So church family, I love you. Mom, daddy, Uncle Sam, grandma, all my church family, I love you. Um, and it doesn't get any easier. I was just thinking it's been 20, almost 20 years since my great-grandmother passed, almost 11 years since my grandfather passed, almost eight years since my grandmother Smith passed, um, almost five years 
since my mom's dad passed. And we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of my Aunt Denise's death. So, you know, it doesn't, grief is, a, is a, an expression of how much, the, your amount of grief is the expression of how much you loved that person. So 20 years later, still here, um, you know, so, but they're with the Lord. That is the best part. And they're not suffering. She has, Kathy has a brand new body. They all have brand new bodies. They don't have to worry about heart or Alzheimer's or high blood pressure or diet. They don't have to worry about anything. So let's just try and keep that in mind, even though I'm looking back in the back and the two of them would be there and she would be knitting. Um, and I was just, so as we move on, thank you so much, not move on, but move on with our announcements. Thank you all so much for um, being with us this morning, whether you're here in person or whether you're out there in Facebook land. Um, we will also be sharing communion following the announcements. So for those of you who did not get a, um, a mid cup, raise your hand. Um, those of you who are at home, please grab a cup and some bread or a cracker. We are continuing our first sermon series of this new year, um, found in Genesis, the patriarchs, encountering the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Pastor Brent Paulson's message today is Abraham's covenant and faith, found in Genesis 1-5. Oh, that's 15, sorry. Um, this glass. Like 15. Yeah. Grab your Bible or cell or tablet to look up today's text. Um, You'll also find it print, printed in part in our bulletin. Today is name tag Sunday, and we invite you to wear a name tag. Take a moment to meet someone that you don't know. This Saturday, January the 21st, is our 2023 planning meeting and potluck. This is specifically for our ministry and outreach leaders. You should have received an email invite. It is from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Vineyard Fellowship Hall. Um, and now Scott will come up to share how even though most of you will not be in attendance, all of you can help us with this important planning meeting for the upcoming year. So uh, <clears throat> this meeting that's coming up is uh, for, for church leaders, but it's for all of us because we all do ministry together. And uh, so with that in, in mind, uh, I called up a graphic designer <coughs> who looks a lot like me um, <coughs> to, to come up with a prayer chart. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, and it's not pretty, but it's functional, and, and, that, and that's the same thing that's true for our prayers. Our prayers do not have to be pretty, uh, but they can be functional uh, if we're talking to our Heavenly Father. Um, and so this prayer chart, it's in half-hour increments starting 24 hours before the meeting starts uh, on Saturday, uh, and we're asking for volunteers to uh, we're asking for prayers uh, to fill in the, the, the chart and then remember where you filled it in and pray. Uh, I chose 4 o'clock next Saturday morning, and I'm going to uh, put a reminder on my phone to wake me up, um, and I will do it, and I hope that you will too. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this, and uh, in 2020 we had a, a leaders meeting, and, and a planning meeting, and we planned stuff. And then God said, whoa, ho, 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 hold on. 
things may change, and they did drastically, uh, and we ended up with parking lot meetings and uh, Facebook meetings, uh, worship services, and communion. Lori and I did communion uh, for one of the months uh, from our backyard, uh, and it was filmed, and, and it was part of the, part of the worship service. But so we never know what, what's, what's in store for us, but if we surround it with prayer, uh, it will, uh, God will see us through it, as he does every day and uh, in every way. So uh, this chart is, will be in the back. Uh, please sign up. Uh, we don't, I don't want to have to put my name in all these blank spaces, um, but I will if I need to. Uh, but I hope that you will help me uh, and, and help the church. God bless you all. Thank you, Scott. I don't think you'll have to put your name in all the spaces. Um, if you're new to the vineyard, we're glad that you're here. Next Sunday, January the 22nd, we have a meet and greet immediately following our service. Um, join us in the fellowship hall to meet some of our pastors and leaders and get to know us in a more relaxed environment. Our beautiful Christmas decorations are coming down on Saturday, January the 28th from 9 to 11. Please come and give us a hand. Don't forget today's offering. There's a small table at the back of the sanctuary for your offering. You can donate on our website or on Facebook. Now, Jim and Denise Dorning will come and lead us in communion. Again, if you didn't receive your communion cup, Please raise your hand, and those of you at home, grab your cup of cup and bread or cracker and join us. Well, I was thinking this morning, if you've been around the vineyard long enough, you knew Denise and I before we had this. And now this has others. So uh, if you don't know, Kaylee and her husband, Zane, and Troy, and his wife, Haley, and we're blessed. We are super blessed. So if you haven't gotten your stuff... um, Especially if you're online, we just ask that you prepare something. It could be a donut and coffee. It could be, you know, wh- whatever that's in jest in that. Uh, we're doing wafers and, and grapefruit or uh, grape juice. Um, we practice communion for everyone, um, not for just those who are in the vineyard. Uh, if you know Jesus and you believe that he's your Lord and Savior, or maybe today's a good day to get to know Jesus, right? Um, communion for us, I was thinking about it, um, especially in light of everything that's going on. When um, I picture when Jesus was sitting around the table, he wasn't giving a, a list for them to fill out to say, did, did you accomplish this? Did you get this finished? Were you good at doing this? Were you, you know, what, what were your worst sins? What was this? He, he sat around the table in a gesture of love. And I don't know if we get that all the time. I remember when I was learning about communion, it didn't have a lot of love attached to it. But the love of Jesus right there, if you remember, 
he was talking to his disciples and he was saying, this is the gift that I'm giving you. And we'll take part with the elements, with the, with the, the bread and the, and the blood. But at the end of the day, Jesus was saying, this is how much I love you. I'm gathering you. I'm having you a part of this because communion is about that. Communion is about gathering and loving one another. So maybe you're here this morning and you just need to know that you're being loved not only by Jesus but by people who are around you. I used to think I had to be good enough for for, for communion. And there were times even here that I just wouldn't take it. And I'm not saying, like, if that's you, if that's what you're doing, that's, that's okay. You do you. But I've got a different perspective now because it's the gift of what Jesus has done for us. And it's the love that he's sharing to us. So we're going to all partake in communion now. Um, I'm supposed to read this first, but I have something to say first. <laughs> um, I just feel like God is so good because we planned this worship set like two weeks ago before we knew anything that was going to happen yesterday. And we're singing about how good God is and how he strengthens us and how our praise will ever be on his lips in all circumstances. And I'm thinking about how we're singing, Jesus, all I have is you. You are the hope I'm holding to. I might weep, but still my faith rests in you. And that was the word that I needed this morning. And I thought, wow, God, you're so cool that we didn't plan this. But you gave us the words that, we, that I needed to say this morning. Um, so I just think God's so cool. But I'll read the verse, and we're going um, to take communion together. So we'll take the bread and the cup together. Um, so this comes out of Luke 22. It says, When the hour came, Jesus and his re- apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus eagerly desires to be in community with us and communion with us. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took his bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. I don't know if you guys saw, um, before we did communion, we all, like, shared our cup. And just another way of, of symbolizing we're all drinking from the same cup. And we just, we just celebrated a meal together. We just celebrated communion as a, a family together. And I can't stress enough the importance of being together as a family, of supporting each other and loving each other and always being there for each other. This is a blessing that we have this place to love on each other. And don't ever forget that. Father God, I thank you so much for this awesome opportunity we have 
to be in your presence and to worship and love you and to remember you in communion. Lord, I ask that your spirit rest heavy in this place. I ask, Father God, that you just penetrate the hearts that still need to know you more. Penetrate the hearts that still need to understand more the depth of your love for them, Lord. Father, just come and just love on your children today. And just just give us hope for tomorrow. And just let us just realize what you've given us and the sacrifices you've made. And that let our hearts be in the right place that we can see those things and we can remember you and we can love you and we can honor you in all that we do. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Um, I know we're running a bit late, um, but we have extenuating circumstances, so we can be graceful. If you're new to the church and you don't know who we've been talking about, is that probably maybe have seen her if you've been here a few times. The, um, our, one of our gentlemen uh, did a lot of our AV stuff, and his wife, Kathy, the one who passed away, just suddenly, it was like really suddenly. Um, was the knitter, but she also did a ton of stuff. She did the ordering for our food pantry. She was um, just a massive support in the community, and that's why a lot of people know who she is. But if you're new, that's who Kathy was, and she was loved, and this community was really good at just supporting her. So, Father, just come and bless your words. We need to hear from you. I pray that we would, and I pray that you'd touch us, and if, if somebody doesn't even know who you are, that they might encounter you today. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Again, it's really good to see all of you. Um, a couple of our neighbors are here again, and that's fun. We're getting more and more neighbors. We're, like I said, we're taking over the, uh, the Euclid community down around where we live is taking over the church. So if you want to be part of the church, you really kind of have to move that way. But, um, you know, I uh, yesterday when... When I got a call from I got a call from David Parati, that's Kathy's husband, and I knew it wasn't good because it's like whatever ten in the morning, and I'm like, oh, this is not good, because Dave doesn't typically call me, and um, and he called and said that they'd taken Kathy and that she wasn't she didn't have a pulse, and that um, he was just not sure, and he was heading over the hospital, and I was waiting for Therese. She was doing worship. And so I put some other clothes on. I had even more casual clothes than I usually wear. And so I thought, I'm going to go in the hospital. But I went, I went up and I prayed, and I, I felt like God said, she's already with me. And I'm like, okay, but I'm still going to pray. You know, <laughs> I'm still going to pray. And when I got to the hospital, I still prayed. I always pray. You know, I always pray for people when they die. I pray for Jesus to come and raise them up. Because I think that's what he did, didn't he? Now, that hasn't happened a ton. I mean, actually, we had somebody who that kind of happened to that was um, kind of being declarative. They weren't completely dead, but they were almost dead, and they came back. So, you know, you never know. 
Um, and Teresa had this amazing picture during that, that time, and she saw a picture when we went in to see Kathy's body after she had died. And Teresa saw a picture of, of the three of us in there praying for her. Jim, Jim was with me, and David and I were, were in there. And, um, and we were praying for her, and Teresa saw this picture of, of Jesus was walking up to the bed and saying, you know, it's time to go. Rise up. And um, it was just a kind of a beautiful picture. And he, she said that Kathy's eyes were just fixated on him. On Jesus. David was in there too, obviously. Um, and, I, you know, it was just, it was, it was, it was hard. But it was good. Um, today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the, the walk of our faith. Uh, and the challenges that come with it sometimes. We, we, we walk with Jesus and we walk in faith like Abraham. And today's passage, I think, is pretty relevant for what we're talking about because um, Abraham went through a lot of really difficult things in his way to the promised land. In fact, he never actually, in some ways, he never got there. It says that he was looking for uh, a city whose maker and builder was God. And I think Kathy was looking for a city whose maker and builder is God. And um, it, it's, it's easier to have faith when everything's going well. You know, if you, you, know, you win the lottery and, you know, your, your wife, you know, is just loves you or your husband loves you and your house is good and, you know, and um, if you're a pastor, you usually don't get calls like that. Hey, I just wanted to call and let you know that you know, the sun's shining and my driveway's good and my car's running and my dishwasher's working and everything's great. I'm like, oh, I think pastor, we'd probably faint. We'd be like, all right, what's going, what's really going on? Um, but the fact is that, that as we walk in this journey, and faith is a journey, as we walk in it, we're, we're going to face some really difficult things. There's a, a quote I heard Tim Keller was preaching on this. And I'm, I'm borrowing some of his um, quotes here. Um, but he quoted Macbeth, who um, William Shakespeare wrote. And he said, in Macbeth, he said, Each new morn, new widows howl, new orphans cry, new sorrows strike heaven's face, he- strike heaven on the face. And I think that's just a, an, an amazing picture. Each new morn, we're faced with challenges. And, and how do we walk? How do we? How are we able? How can you be able to walk with with a, a solidity, with a, a confidence, with not that that we won't be shaken sometimes, but with an anchor that's anchored in a, in a good place, in a deep place. It's not anchored in and based in your money. It's not based in in like Tim Keller said. It's not based in your good looks because they will go away. Believe me, I'm evidence of that. Um, not that not that I ever looked that good, but um, <laughs> so, but anyway, the the reality is that, that we don't want to anchor our lives in that because it's very temporal. We need an anchor that's rooted. In fact, Tim Keller was telling the story. It's kind of funny. He said he used to take his kids out fishing on Lake Erie, and he said he was a terrible boatsman. You know, he was just terrible. And he said he, they would go out fishing, and he would let the anchor, the rope down and let it down, let it down, let it down. And he would just think, well, that, that should be enough. And then he would, you know, kind of cinch the, the, the rope. 
and then they would start fishing, and he said the next thing they knew, they were in Canada. And so, and that's, that's not having your boat anchored real well in a solid place. But I'm going to look at this with Abraham today. I want to give you a little bit of background. Um, Abraham, Abram, he's called at this point, he's been given a promise by God, and he's considered the father of our faith because he just took God at his word. God said, leave your family and your home and everything you know and go to the place I tell you. And this is before, I mean, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't know a lot about even who this God was. But somehow Abraham just said, okay. And he went, which is pretty, isn't that amazing? I mean, if some God, you know, this God came to you and said, hey, leave everything, go to the place I'm going to tell you. Uh, you know, I would be, first of all, what, what's the place, you know? And secondly, Really? You know, leave. But Abraham did. He just trusted God. And today we're going to see that 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 trust, that faith that Abraham is has in in just what God says, becomes righteousness, becomes a right standing with God. That God honors that when we just trust in what He says. And I'll get into in a minute what that has to do with us in life, because there are some things that we have to take on faith because God said it. Right? Amen? So, so Abraham's in this circumstance. He goes, in, so he goes into this promised land, and first of all, there's people there already. Abraham's like, okay, so we'll just stay over here. But then after a few years, they're there, and the famine comes. This is the promised land that he left everything for, you know, the land flowing with milk and honey. A few years later, there's a famine, so he has to go to Egypt. But in this whole time, God's making him prosper and making his nephew who goes with him prosper. Well, they get back from, from Egypt, and then these kings come, four kings come, and attack his nephew a lot and take him captive. And so Abraham has to go to battle. So do you, are you getting the gist of this? And there's still no child. You know, God has promised that his descendants will be like the stars in the sky and that kind of thing. And he's 90. And his wife is probably close to 90. And, and, you know, people go, oh, they lived a lot longer then. But they still knew. When you're 90, you don't have kids, right? At least I'm, I'm really, I'm hoping so. Hoping not. Um, anyway. It's really not, you know, if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a guy, you don't really want to come home like when you're, you know, Teresa and I are in our our mid mid to upper 60s, you don't really, it would just, if I came home and Teresa's like, guess what, honey? We're having a baby. I'd be like, oh my gosh. You know, like, really? Thank you, Lord, I think. Thank you, I think. I know I'd be manly man in a race. Anyway, um, so so all this is going on, and Abraham goes and and attacks these four kings, four kingdoms, gets his nephew back, and he's just kind of at the point where he's had it. And that's where we pick him up in chapter 15 of Genesis. So I wanted to give you some background. So he says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Now, this is the only place in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, where, God, where it says the word of the Lord came to. That, that term is always used for prophets. And so basically, it's not kind of saying that Abraham is a prophet. Not only is he the father of our faith, but he's a prophet. And God's speaking to him, and he says, Do not be afraid, Abram. And again, he's called Abram here. We'll see in a 
few weeks why he's called Abraham later on. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham, Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus, one of my servants. He's going to have to become my heir. I'm going to have to adopt him and he's going to become my heir. I'm going to have to do this myself because you're not doing it. And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him again. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, Look up at the skies and count the stars, if indeed you can even count them. And he began to say, So shall your offspring be. And Abraham sitting there, beat up, worn down, tired out, Things have not gone the way he thought they would. The promised land was not what he thought it would be. This journey was not at all what he thought it would be. And he is discouraged and he's scared. He's just ticked off four kingdoms that surround him. He went to war against him. He beat him. But, you know, uh, there's, nothing like, <laughs> there's nothing like making all your neighbors mad at you. You know, like, oh, great. You know, what do you think of Abraham? Blanky, 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 you know, so. So Abraham's kind of scared. But God comes to him, and I like to picture this, that God kind of, almost like a father, almost like in the Lion King kind of thing, kind of puts his arm around Abraham and he says, Son, look at, look at those stars. That's what your descendants are going to be like. And we are part of those stars. Can you imagine? And I, I think Abraham probably does see now what God brought about through this one man who very, in a very fallen way had faith in God. He's, he's, the, he's, he's the forefather of our faith. And I'm kind of glad because he messed up a ton of times and somehow still God's will got done. Isn't that encouraging? It is to me. Because if, if he just like did everything perfect, it would be like, oh, I can't do that. But it says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as being right or being right with God. God said, yes, that's the kind of person I'm looking for. I'm looking for a person who trusts me. And out of that trust flows obedience. Okay, God, I trust you. I'm going to do this. This is what you said. I'm going to do it. He also said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave you this country, this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said again, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of? How can I know this? I am old. My wife is old. We have no children. In fact, it ends up being 25 years after this when they actually have Isaac, their first child. 25 years. Do you ever have to wait a long time for something you feel like God said he's going to do? Something amazing happened with me about this summer. We had, a, we had a, our first... All City Vineyard Conference in it was in Lakewood at this um, they rent out a Masonic temple over there to do their worship services so we were over there and sent for about the last thirty years God has given me like this image of this place this place of worship with all these things and and it kind of I felt I felt like God said kind of and this is like thirty years ago I felt like God said kind of this is where you're going to end up and I'm like. 
So I kept thinking, you know, I'm, every time I go, I kind of just had let go of it because I thought ah, that must just some weird thing in my brain or something. Because I saw, I actually saw like the speakers, what the stage was like, all this stuff in my kind of in my head. And, and I thought, this is never going to happen. Well, I get to this conference, and we're just kind of sitting there talking, and I look up front, and I, and, and I go, that is it. And so 30 or 35 years or whatever later, I realize that God had said, Brent, I'm going to get you to this place, and there's going to be, well, right now there's like five or six churches in the Cleveland area that are vineyards. I'm going to do that and you're going to ha- have this big conference there and, and I'm going to bring you there to show you that I brought you to where I called you to be. And it was like, oh my gosh, not that I'm not called to go be at the Masonic Temple, but, but I was called to be there and I was called to do this and it was so amazing. I was kind of, I, I was doubtful. I was like, really? Maybe, it, maybe I'm just, no, God is faithful. But Abraham said, how can I know it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, and three years old, along with a dove and a pigeon. And Abraham brought all these things and cut them into two and arranged them on opposite halves of each other. So he cut them in two, put them like this. The birds, however, he didn't cut in half. I don't know why. It doesn't really say. They're tiny. It's like The birds of prey came down and on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. A deep, it's kind of this unsettled state, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. He began to be really terrified. And it's kind of interesting. So he's, he's falling into this kind of a, a supernatural, spiritual sleep, but it's really kind of overwhelming for him. Not necessarily in a good way. Then the Lord said, No for certain that 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. And for 400 years, Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, were taken captive into Egypt. And they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nations that they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. And we know that passing through the Red Sea. It's the journey of Israel. You, however, go to your ancestors and be buried in, in peace and be buried at a good old age. And he's giving, he's telling him his future. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet full, reached its full measure. And there were people in the land that Israel was supposed to have and God is giving them 400 years. Israel's suffering because God's giving these people in this land 400 years to change. That's a lot of patience, isn't it? The sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And it isn't God saying, I'm just waiting for him to get really bad. I think God's saying, I'm giving him 400 years to change. That's a lot of patience. I don't like it when somebody drives slow in the, that far lane on the freeway. The left lane is not a driving lane, people. It's a passing lane. So don't drive there. If you do, you'll make me lose part of my salvation. So, When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the land of the Wadi of Egypt to the great Euphrates, the land of the Kenites 
Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgasites, and Jebusites. Yes, I did it. Hey, Amen. Woo. That's hard to do. Um, hard to get those right, too. Um, and, and my first thing I, you know, that I get out of this is that God meets us in our times of doubt and questions. Do you know that it's okay sometimes to ask God questions? I'm, I know that David's asking God's questions because David already lost two sons. He lost his brother last year. He lost two sons before, I think, before they were 20 or 25. He lost his, he lost his brother. And I was, when I was praying, I'm like, Lord, I, I was, telling, I was uh, kind of upset with God. I'm like, God, really? This does not seem like a good plan, God. This guy's gone through enough. Why does he have to go through this, God? What? You know, I don't get this. And you know what? God doesn't get mad at that. God doesn't get mad at us going, God, I don't get this. I know that you're good. I know that you're always good. And I know that maybe someday when I'm with you, I may get all this stuff. But right now, it doesn't seem like a good plan. And, and I don't think it's that God doesn't care. Because what God does here is he comes to Abram and he says, first of all, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. And there's a military term there. I'm going to protect you. Abraham's afraid of being attacked by these four kings. And God says, Abraham, I'm your shield. Do you know that God is your protector? You don't see him, but he's there. He's there. He's our guard. Even when, when bad things happen to us, God is still our shield. Those who have gone before us would look, I think, you know, it talks about in Hebrews that we, we, we have a great cloud of witnesses. And I think those great cloud of witnesses are like Kathy and they're going, you know what, I am totally good. I'm like so much better than you, you know. I mean, it, seriously, I think that's what Kathy would say. Not better in like, um, you know, a snotty way, but just, you know, you know what I mean. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really good. I, when my, I think of my mom and my dad and I think, you know, Jackie's mom and Jackie's one of our friends and one of our preachers here. She, um, her mom died a little bit before my mom died. And so this, this year we were kind of, we were just talking and we said, I wonder if our moms are just kind of hanging out, you know, going, oh, look at Jackie, look at Brett. They're kind of goofy. Um, <laughs> I don't know what they say. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham says, You've given me no children, so my servant, servant's household, servant in my household will be my heir. And do you understand what's going on here? Abraham's dialoguing with God. I think one of the most dangerous things we do as Christians sometimes is we feel like we can't really tell God how we feel. We feel like, well, I just need to have faith all the time. I just need to believe all the time. It's not, we, we are taught sometimes that it's not okay to go, God, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I mean, there are things that have happened in my own family that I go, God, I don't get this. I don't like it. I don't understand it. You ever get there? I want to tell you today, that's okay. In fact, if you don't deal with some of that with God, you're going to probably fall away from faith. Because you'll just get bitter, and you'll just get angry. Like one of my friends, uh, uh, who was a really good counselor, his name was Chris, he said one time, you know, 
It, God's okay if we come and, you know how little kids, when you hold them, sometimes they're really upset, they come and pound you on the chest, like, I think that's kind of what we do sometimes, and I think God's okay with that. It's okay to have questions here. It's okay to wonder. It's okay. It's interesting in Matthew 28, the 11 disciples, this is after Jesus' resurrection, 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. They see the resurrected Jesus, but it's so weird that they're like, really? Really? I am your shield. One writer says this, and since Abraham had just refused the reward of King Sodom, king of Sodom, because the king of Sodom in S had offered him a reward because he had gotten king of Sodom money back from these four kings. Your reward shall be very great. In other words, Abraham, you don't have to depend on them. I'm going to be your reward. And I'm going to take care of you. You know, Jesus said that to us. Peter asked him once, Lord, what's What's in this for us? We've left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, you're going to get a hundred times in houses and friends and mothers and sisters and persecutions. And, and I love the way he just sneaks persecutions in there. You know, like the, the fine line is just suddenly in there, like in persecutions, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, can you, can we rewind, you know, like that thing they do on the commercials now where they throw the red flag? They throw the flag, like, rewind, rewind time. So are you stealing microphones? Did you guys see that? Okay, here are all witnesses. Um, so here we are, and this is a quote, like Abraham, living in between many of God's promises and the fulfillment. At times, we fear as we reject the way of the world, just as Abraham felt rejecting the gifts of Sodom. We might be prone to feeling the helplessness we consider at the odds against us. Will we be um, preserved by God? Is he worth following? Will he defend us? Will he fulfill his promises to us? He might say, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And when we're in difficult places, God meets us in those. He meets us in those places. He comes alongside and he says, I am your shield and your great reward. And Let's take a look at the stars. And I, in my life, there have been so many times when God has just met me. I think I shared with you many times when we had to bring our daughter something really, really hard and bad happened to her. And we had to bring her into um, to do an emergency room kind of thing. And we were really, we were really concerned for her, her well-being. This was many years ago. And, and I was in, we were in the waiting room of the, this place and I'm just going, God, you've got to show me that you're here because it doesn't feel like you're here. That's why I talk to God. I don't know how you talk to God. I just like, God, I don't, f- I don't feel like you're here. So we get in and the intake nurse, the first thing she says to us, literally, and I just said the words, God, you have to show me that you're here. They get in there and the, the, the nurse, the intake nurse, we sit down, she looks right at us and goes, hi, my name is, and I don't remember the name exactly, but it was a Hebrew thing. And she said, my name is Yohida, and that means God is with you. So God is with you. And I'm like, whoa. 
Do you have a microphone out there? No, it was just so encouraging. I was like, God, thank you. I mean, he didn't fix the crisis, but he met me in the crisis. He was with me through the crisis. Abraham took God at his word, and God credited it to him as righteousness. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, um, but a son will be born to you and to Sarai. And he took him outside, and he looked at the stars of the sky, and Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord said, Thank you. He just trusted the Lord. You know, do you know, <laughs> this, this might sound funny for a pastor, but, you know, sometimes the, the amazing promises that God gives of heaven, of life after here, of the, a new creation, of all that seems so fantastical to me. That there have been times when I've been like, really, is it really, you know, like, because I haven't been there. How many of you have been there and come back can tell me, but I don't think any of you probably have. But you know what really comforts me in that? And this might sound really, I, you know, I know some of you are going, really, you don't? I mean, I do, I do believe that, but the, do you know what I mean? There's like, it's, a, it's not something we've seen, and it seems too wondrous to believe. And that's where Abraham was at. Abraham's going, this is too wondrous to believe. Stars in the sky. Well, the passage that's really helped me through that journey is in John 14, when Jesus says kind of the same thing to his disciples right before he's crucified. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come and take you to be with me. You know the way to the place I'm going. And you know what's hit me in that is that if it were not so, I would have told you. And the one thing I know about Jesus is that he wouldn't deceive me. And I go, okay. And I believe, and I, I believe in what God says. Does that make sense? We trust in what God says. And he says, Jesus knew that we were going to have trouble. He knew that his disciples were going to have trouble believing in, in this beautiful coming kingdom. And so he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's something wonderful, there's a kingdom beyond the stars that you can't even imagine. When he knew there wasn't, he just wouldn't do that. Jesus calls us to believe. He says in John 11 when his friend Lazarus died and he's talking to Martha and Jesus says to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's like, okay. Are you getting this? Belief is really important. And it's not belief in air. It's not that, that our belief creates the reality. The fact is that, that our Christianity is solely based on trusting God and trusting what He says. That's what we live by. You see, God often works more slowly than we like. He was certainly working more slowly than Abraham liked. All we can see is what we can see. We look around at the circumstances and we go, What are you doing, God? Do, we see, do you see where things are at? Do you see what's happening? But for that in-between life, we have a secret weapon, God himself. He spoke to Abraham and told him about something beyond what Abraham could see. 
And we have page after page in God's word. It is his way of drawing us into a better reality. He paints the picture there of what he is doing beyond our circumstances. The ability to see past our circumstances and into God's reality is powerful. It is not the skill... Is it not the skill the Apostle Paul had when he pushed past all his sufferings in order to preach the gospel? He knew there was more to life than circumstances. Do you know there's more to life than circumstances? Whatever circumstances you're in are not the final answer God is. And God makes a covenant and promise with us. This and I'm going to end with this, but it's this, it's this really weird scene. Isn't this a weird scene? So the Lord said, Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possess, possession of it? And the question here is twofold, kind of. He's questioning God, but he's also questioning himself. And I'm saying this for some of you out there, because this was me. When I was a new Christian, Christian I totally believed God. I believed that God was great and that he was awesome and that he died for my sins. But I didn't, I didn't trust myself. I thought, there, I mean, I was a newly recovered alcoholic. I was wanting to drink every day. I was, you know, I didn't, but I wanted to. I was going to meetings all the time, but I just thought, I thought, Lord, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to make it. I'm going to fall. I'm going to somehow disbelieve. I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to finish this race, God. I, I trust in you, but I don't trust in me. And this... What I'm about to read right now is, is the answer to that. And I wish somebody would have told me back then because I lived in agony. You can ask my wife about the reality. I, I, I went, probably went up for like 60 altar, maybe 200, I don't know, altar calls to get saved because I just wasn't sure. You know, like I thought, well, I mean, I know I, I asked Jesus, but I thought I better do it again. I don't know if I did it right. I don't know. Any of you do that? Any of you question that? Well, that's what this is about. This passage is the answer, not only to God's faithfulness, but to the fact that he, has, that he is able to get us where we need to go. So the Lord said, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old. Abraham brought them to him, cut them in two, arranged them in halves along with the birds. But the birds he didn't cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcass, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham falls into this deep sleep. Thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And the Lord said, and the Lord prophesied to him in this semi, it's not really a dream state, but it's, it's probably him entering in somehow to God's presence in the spiritual world. Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. This is part of the way of the promise. Do you get it? It's a long-term deal. It's still going on today. We're part of it. We're part of the promise to Abraham. So Paul says, we are inheritors of the promise God gave to Abraham four or five, whatever, thousand years ago. But I will punish the nations they have, and, and all that stuff. You, uh, you, however, will go to your ancestors and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites hasn't been there. And let me tell you something about an ancient Near Eastern covenant. When we say, like Teresa and I hired somebody to do the roof on our car, because we had, <laughs> for those of you who aren't here, this sounds really weird, but 
We have we have a convertible car that I got really cheap. It was a convertible BMW. I just got it cheap. I got it treats for, for her birthday. She was all embarrassed. She's like, I can't drive that. Everybody will think we're really rich. I'm like, no, I don't think people think we're really rich. But um, and it was really really cheap. Um, anyway. So uh, this summer, Teresa <laughs> calls me up, and she goes, honey, there's somebody up in the car, and I go, and I look out, and I go to get the guy off the convertible top, and it was a pirate. And I was like, and you're going, some of you are going, right. Now we know Brent's like <laughs> back on drugs. No, it was really, it was this guy in our neighborhood that had some mental challenges, and he was, thought he was a pirate. And so some dog, one of the stray dogs in the neighborhood got loose. He was terrified of it. This dog's trying to get petted. And so this guy, there's like 10 cars with roofs on it around, and he chooses the convertible. And so he climbs up on our convertible, and he's standing there, this pirate is, and I'm trying to get him down. So I finally take the dog. Uh, the dog wasn't vicious. He just wanted to be petted. So I took him and put him on a leash, and then the guy runs away. I mean, he looked like Johnny Depp in Pirates. Of the, he had the dreads. He had pirate boots on. He had like a pirate ring thing. I'm like, and I'm thinking, Teresa's calling the police. And I'm like, what do I tell the police? And the police come. And I start describing this guy, and before I have like three words out, they go, was he a pirate? And I go, yeah, they didn't tell me when I moved into Euclid that there were pirates. This is like, uh, this is scary, you know, pirates roaming, I mean, what the heck, do I need a cannon? I don't, I don't know. It was crazy. And so anyway, we, so we have to get this new roof on our car. So when we do it, we went to a place in Bedford, and guess what we did? We put some money down. But we have a contract, right? The guy still hasn't done it. So we're thinking about saying, hey, our, part of our contract is that you actually, because he wanted half down on it, is that you actually do this. We have, we have a written contract. Do you understand that? And it, in our society, people don't always honor written contracts. I mean, we live in a really broken society. In their culture, they didn't have pen and paper. They didn't have computers. They didn't have... All that stuff. What they did for covenants was they would take and they would um, split these animals apart. And then both the parties of the covenant, the one who either owed money or owed something to the other part, would walk down in between those cut-in-half animals. And, and, and it, was, it was like signing your name. It was saying, if I don't fulfill make this covenant, may this happen to me. May it be like I'm torn in two. May it be like I'm destroyed. And I thought, we should go back to that. How many, can you imagine this, you know, contractors going, having to walk through this and going, yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm just decided, I really want to do this. I don't want, I really don't want to be torn in half. So. so that's what they did. But now, what's interesting about this It's what happens. In fact, in Jeremiah 34, 18, God clearly says what this, those who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before, we, before me, I will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walk between its pieces. The leader of Judah and Jerusalem, the court officials and all the people of the land who walk between the pieces of the calf I will deliver into the hands of the enemy, their enemies who want to kill them. Their dead bodies will become bird for the food and wild animals. So what happens? God alone takes responsibility 
from filling the covenant. When the sun set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between. So this fire pot, which was like a fire pot, it had fire in it, and, it, and then there was there was like this smoking, um, or a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch, and those were those are the images of God. You know, Mount Sinai. What was it? Blazing fire, cloud. What was it when Israel's going out of the desert? Pillar of fire and cloud, right? So, so Abraham gets it. He goes, okay, that's God. That's God. And God, it says, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. He passed between the pieces. There's something missing in that covenant. There's only one person who passes between the pieces. What's God saying? God makes a covenant and says, if I don't fulfill this covenant with you, may this be done to me. May I die. May I be torn asunder. And guess what, Abraham? If you don't fulfill the regulations of this covenant, may I be torn asunder. Do you get it? Christianity is not based on us fulfilling all the works of the covenant. God takes both parts and takes them upon himself. And on the cross, we see God taking all of the punishment. Jesus literally is torn asunder and not not physically, but he's torn asunder because we didn't fulfill our the fullness of the covenant. We're, we're just not perfect. We, do you understand why this is good news? If somebody would have told me this when I was doubting whether or not I could make it, God is saying, no, you, you're not going to make it, but I will. And I will get you there. And I promise I will. And I've made a covenant with you. And I've, and I've walked down between those things. And I'm the only one. I will, take, I will be cut, torn asunder if, if I fail the covenant. I will be torn asunder if you fail the covenant. Oh my gosh, who does that? Who does that? What kind of God does it? Almost every other religion in the world has to do with us walking through and fulfilling the covenant, right? Well, if I do these things, I'll do all these things, and then God will accept me, right? How many of you are living like that today? How many of you live in this thing like, well, if I do this right, if I, maybe if I get my prayers right and I you know, share Jesus with people and whatever, we live in grace. Paul says in Galatians, Jesus took the curse for us. Jesus became the curse for us. Jesus fulfilled the covenant for us. And I think I have this in here somewhere. And I guess I want to encourage you today. We're going to walk through this, and we're going to have a lot of troubles and difficulties. Oh, yeah, it says slide 20, if you have that back there. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He walks through that for us. 
because it says, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise. Christianity is not about us doing everything perfect. doesn't mean we don't walk out our faith. doesn't mean we... That faith doesn't mean that we just go do whatever we want. But it, it means, like for me and for some of you, that God is able to get... And, and, and in some ways, I was really doubting God because I thought there's no way he could take a person like me and get me from here to there. And when he did that at that conference I was telling you about 30 years later, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you are amazing. You actually got me there. And you know what? I'm beginning to trust more and more that he's going to get me all the way there. He got Kathy all the way there. And he will get us all the way there. And, and all we have to do is continue, like Kathy did when Teresa saw that vision, is keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the anchor of our soul. Put your anchor down in him. It, it was it was so comforting when I began to realize that no, I'm not able to walk this thing out. I'm left to myself. I I would you know I would be a wreck. I would be a disaster left to myself. But I have a God who is so great that He's even able to use me, and He's even able to fulfill His purposes in me. And so some of you have been, in some ways, this is doubting God because you're saying, well, I'm too messed up. I'm way too messed up for God to use me. Really. So what you're saying is that you're more po- your messed upness is more powerful than God is. Does that make sense? And I want you to stop it. Stop it. Your messed upness is not more powerful than God. He used Abraham. Abraham screwed up a ton of times, didn't he? And yet in Romans it says Abraham did not waver in faith. I'm like, it seemed like he wavered all the time. He's given, you know, thrown his wife under the bus. Goes out and has sex with Sarah uh, with Hagar and has a baby that way because he doesn't feel like it's going to happen. You know he does he does a lot of waivers, but look through the eyes of grace. He did not waver because God was walking through the path. Father, just come, come and bless us. If somebody here maybe doesn't even know what I'm talking about, but knows like, yeah, God, I've been trying to do this myself. Maybe some of you have never, you, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but you'd never realized it was like, okay, this is not about me. It's about him. It's about his dying for me and, and me just following and, and responding to that death and believing, believing that he can get us to where we're supposed to be and he can fulfill his purposes in our lives and through our lives. And he's so great that he uses broken humanity and he's so loving that he walks through the fire alone. He walks through the, the, the covenant-torn flesh and he allows himself to be punished, to receive the punishment for the broken covenant. Not Abraham didn't have to. We don't have to. Amen. Does anyone want prayer? Come on up. Come on up.